Let's stand up with our Bibles to Mark chapter 6 this morning. We're going to read verses 1 through 4. And he went out from thence and came into his own country, and his disciples followed him. When the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, and Joseph, and of Judah, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, but his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house. I want to preach this morning on the subject, Don't Kick the Mailman. How many of you over the past few weeks, you've gone to the mail, and you opened up a letter, and there was either an unexpected bill, or the bills that you're normally paying are unexpectedly higher than what they have been. Anybody else? Found that to be true. And this week I received a few, and whether that's a toll bill from that crazy road that occasionally we choose to drive, uh, or something too were unexpected this week, and I I just looked at him and said, "Really, really? This this is my early Christmas gift, or what's the situation here?" But despite the the momentary frustration of additional costs. I was never tempted to wait out at the mailbox for the delivery man to arrive and kick him in the shin after he delivered me another bill. Now, here's what we see in this chapter. These people are out to kick the mailman. Here comes Christ, the greatest messenger that was ever sent from heaven. And we see not just Christ, but Every messenger and the greatest of all messengers are right here in this chapter. That's Jesus Christ. That's John the Baptist. That's the 12 disciples. And when they come, what is the reaction of man to the messengers that God gave them? There is a pushback, verse 2 and 3. They begin to question, although he's doing mighty works, is not this the carpenter, the son of of Mary with the disciples. It says, verse 11, whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear you. Oh, now hold on for a minute. We're talking about a message of eternal life, free gift, no works involved, heaven, escape from hell. You would think that message would be readily received. You don't have to do anything. Salvation is not based upon your good deeds. That is a message of good news. Hey, This Messiah has come to die, to shed his blood, to pardon you, to forgive you, to offer you eternal life. What is there to reject? What is there that is offensive? You're a sinner. Man should know that. Man should not struggle to accept the fact that he is defiled from day one, living in sin, desirous of sin. But when Christ came with the message, when the disciples came with the message, when John the Baptist, now he was one whose message was rejected with greater hate. These messengers came with, here's here's what's amazing, great power from heaven. This was God uniquely during this time, providing them with power that that just a couple generations have had. And look what it says, verse 7, he gave them, what's it saying? Power over unclean spirits. Verse 13, they cast out many devils, 
They anointed with oil many that were sick, and they healed them. And in each one of these cases, God provided them special power, special blessing. They were great men, powerful men, blessed men, uh, men touched by God. And yet their message was what? Rejected. Have any of you taken time to look at your mailman? I haven't, but when I've noticed a few, gangly, ordinary, no special touch, no special power, right? But these men sent from God had everything necessary to deliver the message and more. But really the, the issue is not the messenger. People have a problem with the messenger because they don't like the message. That's it. The bottom line is the message is not like, look what it says in verse 12. And they went out and what did they preach? The men should repent. Now here's what man doesn't like. You talk about heaven, you talk about eternal life, you can talk about the afterlife. Just don't talk about my need to repent of my sin. And that's where it gets really touchy. As a pastor, I, I know many have stopped preaching on repentance. They've stopped so winning and mentioning repentance because we don't want to offend anyone. If that part of the message is offensive, so be it. For a pastor, for a messenger, for a soul winner, for any child of God, to trim the message that God has given them is to go outside of their boundaries and to cease to be God's messenger. And they came and they preached repentance, and that's what caused the rejection. Look what it says in verse 17. For Herod himself had sent forth, laid hold upon John, bound him in prison. Now, this is absolute rejection of the message. How many of you have ever been thrown in prison for sharing God's message? I would like to meet you. And I don't know of anyone in the United States of America. That day is quickly coming, and if the Lord tarries, it will happen in our lifetime. But until then, we rejoice that the pushback is very small. I've been talking about Jesus for a long time, knocking on doors, passing out tracks, and making visits, and preaching the kingdom of God, and my pushback has been so minimal compared to what I have read about and seen and witnessed several decades ago when the Iron Curtain fell. There were two preachers that came from Russia to preach behind this pulpit. A few of you, how many remember? One man, seven years in prison. The other man, 14 years in prison, languishing. And when they talked about their conditions in the cell, and one of those that was placed in a spot where he could not stand or extend himself for weeks on end. And the life being crushed out of his body and the joy out of his heart. He said, I, I was not prepared. He said, you, you would think that you, you've over scripture and through prayer and walk with God, you prepare yourself for that kind of suffering. He said, I was not prepared. Never expected them to push me to those kind of limits. But for 14 years, never retracted, never backed up, never uh, came to a point where he denied God or denied the faith. He stood the test. But you know what that was about? Him simply saying, I'll be God's messenger. And here's what John the Baptist facing. He stood up and he, he confronted the king. You say, where's the wisdom in confronting the king? If God sends you to that address, you must deliver the mail. 
that was his duty. He confronted the king on his adulterous relationship with his brother's wife. And here's what happened. He's thrown into prison and then later beheaded. He bound him up in prison. Look what it says. Verse 17. For Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her, for John had said to Herod, it is not lawful. And let me tell you what, this has been going on for 2,000, beyond 2,000 years, but 2,000 years back, if we look at Herod, saying, I'll just take this sin and make it lawful, and that way you can't preach against it. And here's what our culture has done, our society, this nation has said, which was once based upon the foundation of God's word, has so deviated, now they'll say, we're going to take sin, and in order to make it acceptable, we'll make it lawful. That doesn't change the fact in God's eyes, it'll never be acceptable, and as his people, it should never be acceptable. It doesn't matter if it's homosexuality, or bestiality, or sin on any level. If God says it is wrong, a country can put it in the books as lawful, and God says it is still unlawful according to heaven's regulations and rules. And that's what he did. He just said, I'll make it lawful. And John the Baptist. Now, here's what Herod's wife said, verse 24. I love this. She went forth and said to her mother, what shall I ask? And she said, the head of John the Baptist. Pastor, you like the fact that a Baptist preacher lost his head? No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the fact that this is John the Baptist. Uh, preacher, you want to be identified as a Baptist? Absolutely. Are, are the Baptists per, per, perfect? Absolutely not. But whatever label you have that comes after your name identifies your beliefs. Amen. She wasn't looking for John the Presbyterian because there's no Presbyterian that stands upon truth enough that offends anyone to the point that they want to take off their head. Amen? No matter this, you say, preacher, I have a problem with that. Good. I'm glad you do. Baptist vow are ready to lose their head. Amen? While the world is losing their mind. She said, I'll, I'll take his head. And it was cut off simply because it, the problem was never with the messenger. The problem was with the message that was yes. being delivered. Yes. Yes. Had he trimmed the message, had he changed it for the moment, which many churches, pastors are doing to save their own neck. Yep. Yeah. And because we have gone to live stream and social media and now our messages go way beyond the walls of, of our churches and our church address, pastors are becoming more and more cautious, folks. I mean to tell you something. We will close down live stream or make any changes we need to make before we'll trim the message. No Baptist pastor, no preacher of the word of God, none of us have a right to change what God has permanently written, not just in stone, but forever established in heaven. His holy, perfect, inspired, inerrant, infallible, preserved word. Amen. We have no reason or no right. God's messengers don't have a choice but to deliver the message. Can you imagine a mailman soaring through the mountain saying, well, he probably won't like that. I won't deliver it. You say that's illegal activity. And for a pastor to sort through God's word and determine what he'll deliver and not deliver is righteously illegal activity. 
here's what God told Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1, 17. Arise, speak unto them, all that I command thee, be not dismayed at their faces. And folks, some of you have faces that would dismay any preacher. There are a few that remain pleasant. The entire service, no matter what is preached, I thank God for those. But here's, here's what's amazing. You're talking about even Jesus Christ, the greatest messenger ever sent from heaven. Here's what he said in John 12, 49. I have not spoken to myself, but the Father would send me. He gave me a commandment. God the Father gave me a commandment. Yeah. What I should say and what I should speak, even Christ came with a commandment of what to say and what to speak, and he would deliver that message and that mail. How many of you are born again children of God? Raise your hand. I'm a child of God. I hold them up real high. I just want to see this morning who's not a born again child of God so I can witness to you before you leave today. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Now, if you're a child of God, you have the word of God. That means you're a messenger sent by God. And here's what a lot of messengers Melvin have done in this generation because of intimidation, because of fear. We have closed our mouths or changed our messages because we're tired of people kicking the mailman. And if they're kicking unsaved mailmen, it's, it's astounding to me. You, you see politicians that are not even saved. Yeah. You, you, t- you talk about radio voices like Sean Handy. I do not believe Sean Handy is a Christian. He has no testimony of salvation. No understanding that salvation by grace through faith without works through Jesus Christ. But there is a boldness in that person. How is it that someone without the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God is bolder than a Christian with the indwelling Spirit of God and the knowledge of salvation and yet intimidated? If this world intimidates you, you need to grow a backbone. With their vile, godless behavior that is... Every single day, even more, when you say, can it get any more vile? It does get more vile. And if they come out boldly, how much more boldly should we as Christians stand up and say, this is God's word. I didn't write this. There are times I look at people's faces and they act as if I wrote 2 Corinthians or the book of Jude. No, no, I preach it, but I wrote none of this. There is no first, second, or third book of Adam Thompson. I've read it and I've preached it, but I did not write it. I definitely would have had a few different opinions, a few different ideas. Amen? A few additions and a few subtractions. But I have no right to take or subtract from the Word of God in the way it is delivered. And you know what? When you're the messenger, you you can't deliver it perfectly enough. That mailman, when he delivers the, the bill, he can put a smile on it. He can tell you, have a good day. He can be dressed in a suit and tie and say, you're looking amazing this morning. You're looking absolutely beautiful. And you say that, but as soon as you open up that, yeah. that mail and you find out your utilities went from 380 a month to 520 a month, you're not happy. You're not happy with that mail. And guess what? There are things in God's word. I don't care what kind of Christian you are, how long you've been in God's house, how happy you seem to be. There are things in God's word, if preached straight and true and biblically correct, that will still put a burr under your saddle. There are things in God's word that make every Christian at some point unhappy. Now, uh, go with me to Matthew 11. 
here has to be our philosophy when, when people react improperly to the messenger. It don't take it personal. I learned this a long time ago. That's why I'm still in the ministry after 30 years. I just don't take it personal. It's not about me. It's about God's word. If Christ was hated, what did he tell his disciples? Don't expect anything less. Matthew chapter 11. Now here's John the Baptist. While he is in prison. Now when John had heard in prison the works of Christ, he sent to his disciples and he said to him and to Christ, Art thou he that should come or do we look for another? Hold on for a minute. This was a man that was sent by God to prepare the way of the Lord. He had done his duty, although his timing of ministry was extremely short. But once he is in prison, languishing there, he's seeing and hearing about the miracles of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he, he knows in his heart and mind, I, things just don't look good. It doesn't look like I'm going to be released. So what is the benefit of delivering the mail? What is the benefit of being God's messenger? What, what is the personal benefit? Let me ask you this. Could John point to any specific benefit to being God's messenger? We can't talk about the pay. We can't talk about the retirement plan. Uh, what about uh, the, the car, the gas fund? We, we simply can't. And about the time he had a few followers, they begin to move from him to the Lord Jesus Christ. So his greatest disciples become Christ's greatest disciples. And what do the Pharisees begin to point and say? Your crowds are diminishing. Your popularity is waning. Christ is increasing. And he said, I must decrease. He must increase. But now that he's found himself in this spot in church, as things become more and more precarious for God's messengers, we must understand the possible pitfall and temptation to doubt God and say, what are the benefits of being a voice? What are the benefits of not filtering the message? I'm shocked by those that I went to college with and those that I used to admire, how when pressure was increased, suddenly they felt the need to change or trim the message. When they saw their salary might be affected, uh, the church might decide to move on to a different pastor. And this is John, the greatest born of women. He's asking, art thou he? The very man that he said is the Messiah. He now is beginning to doubt. Why? Consider his circumstances. In church, be careful. If John the Baptist doubted, we too could find ourselves in a spot where when the pressures increase, we look around and say, how is it that we're preaching the word of God and we're doing the right thing? And yet, the response seems less and the, the, the pushback only is getting greater. And Jesus answered and said to them, go and show John. Now, this, this is where humanly, there could be a misunderstanding. I'll be honest with you. I, I would have preferred that Christ went in person. Right? I would think John could have been helped to a greater degree had Jesus showed up. and said, John, I'm going to leave you here. I just want to explain a few things to you. The rats are big. The smells are awful. And eventually they're going to cut your head off and put it on a platter. But at the end of the day, I had you here for a specific purpose. You fulfilled that purpose. 
and I consider you to be the greatest born of women. You say, well, thank you for that conversation. <laughs> Have you ever had a conversation with the doctor and he told you bad news and he just sat there as if it were no big deal? And you say to you, for you, it's no big deal, but for me, this is life or death. And he doesn't even show up. He doesn't even send flowers. He sends back the messengers. Can, can you imagine? So, so they come back, and, and, and John says, uh, okay, uh, what what'd you got for me? And they said, we, we got a note here. And, and John opens it up. It, the expectation in his heart and mind, exactly what he's going to read. He's, he's pretty excited. And here's what it says. Dear John. The blind receive their sight. That's good. The lame walk. Praise the Lord. Lepers are cleansed. Fantastical. The deaf ear, the dead are raised up. The poor of the gospel preached to them. Okay. That's all good, but I'm asking you a question about my situation. Oh, by the way, blessed is he who serves shall not be what? Offended in me. Can you imagine John's like, okay, where's page two? Is this it? it you guys are not delivering all the mail. Can, can you please give me the rest of the message? This is it. Christ is saying, yes, I'm powerful. Yes, I'm fulfilling my purpose. Yes, I am the Messiah. No, nothing has changed. But John, by doing your duty and doing it well, blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me offended because I don't always do things the way you think I should do them and deliver you the way you think I should deliver you. And church, we didn't come here to be delivered. I'm, I'm shocked. I should not be shocked. But uh, Christians, uh, the way they talk, I'm so blessed, preacher. Got a new truck. You know how rare it is for Christians to actually sound spiritual? I'm so blessed, I gotta lead someone to Christ. No, I'm so blessed, we just bought a new house. Oh, so you 30-year mortgage. Adjustable rate, good, you're blessed. Praise the Lord for that bank, whoever gave it to you, and hopefully it doesn't get repossessed in the next 30 years. It's not, I'm so blessed because my, my children are serving God, and I'm so blessed because my wife loves me. Isn't it amazing how everything is categorized financially? You, you tell how... People think when everything that comes out of their mouth concerning blessings is dealing with something new they purchased or a financial blessing based on a credit card or a 30-year note or a seven-year note, that new, I'm so blessed, look at this vehicle. Tell me about the value of it in five years and tell me if you're still blessed. Right? And here's, here's human nature. When God is not doing things exactly the way we expect, because God, as your messenger, I just want to send you a little P.S. on how I should be blessed. So I'm a preacher of the gospel, and I've been in this for a long time, and, you know, a health insurance plan would be nice, and a retirement plan would be nice, and God, I've been doing right, and I've been serving God, and my kids are living for you, so God, if you'd give me a better salary, if you'd... isn't that the way we think? And here's what John said. So I've been doing right, and I've been preaching the word, and I confronted Herod, and God, you told me to confront Herod. You told me to call him out of the carpet, and I knew he wasn't going to react well. But God, you really just going to leave me in this prison? I'm, I'm this, this is it? This is my future? 
is what it means. Um, if, if you are opening prison doors, if you're bringing people out of the graves, if you're healing the lepers, and they're scum buckets, they're trash bags, they haven't done anything for you, they haven't lived for you, they might start living for you at this point, but up until now, none of those people have done anything for you, and here I have risked my life, and I've, my whole life has been based around this ministry and serving you, and my future is prison walls, and then why do you think Christ had to include the little P.S. there at the end of the note? And blessed is he who is not offended. Because church, here's the problem with being a messenger. He's, he's letting us know from the very beginning. He let the disciples know from the very beginning. Here's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be determined and committed, and we're supposed to go, look what it says, go back with, you, with me to Matthew chapter 6. Let, let's just read 10 before we exit here. Matthew eleven ten. 10, what's it say? For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send what? He was Christ's messenger, God's messenger, personal messenger, before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. And church, you know what we're doing as messengers of Christ in this generation? We're preparing for the coming of the Lord. We're preparing this generation for the coming of the Lord. And whether or not they receive the message is not the point. The point is we are messengers. Our obligation is to deliver the message despite how they hear and respond. Doesn't matter. He's coming. Judgment is coming. Death and hell are coming. Life is coming to those that repent and put their faith and trust in him. In church, I can say that and give you a hug, or I can say that with a straight face, but if you're a rejecter of the message, you'll be angry no matter how it's delivered. Amen. You say, you know what? I'd talk to my uncle, but he would be angry. Uh, maybe if I package it right, maybe if I send a letter, maybe if I find the right track, maybe. Guess what? There's no maybe to it. Just deliver the mail. If he has a soft heart, he'll respond properly. If he has a hard heart, he'll reject the message and be frustrated with the messenger. I've delivered the mail and I had some hug me and others kick me. I've had some scream, some cuss. I've had tennis balls thrown at me. That's the worst persecution I've ever faced. I, I don't know how I'm going to face John the Baptist in heaven. So Adam, tell me something about your ministry. What? I, I was on Guadalupe one day, and this guy threw a tennis ball. I don't even know if he threw it at me. It just bounced my way, so I took it as persecution. Amen. <laughs> you got In this generation, you take what you can get. Amen. <laughs> I don't want the martyr's crown, but I wouldn't mind a little badge that says he suffered a little. Amen. Verse 11, verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater. When is this stated? Before his doubt or after his doubt? After, he literally is doubting. The message has been sent. Christ has reminded John, John, don't get offended by what you are suffering for being my messenger. And he said he's still the greatest as a doubter. He didn't call him the greatest doubter. He called him the greatest messenger ever born of women. And here's what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to say, you know what? If they doubted Christ and rejected him, and they doubted the disciples and rejected them, they doubted John the Baptist and rejected them, how should we expect any more as a messenger? We should say, I am determined to do my job. Whether or not the message is received, I'm not cutting it back, trimming it up, changing it, because there's pushback from a crowd that rejects God's message. Now look what it says in Mark 6. 
parents are changing the message in their home because of children. Husbands are changing the message in their home because of wives. Wives are changing the message because of husbands. Pastors are changing the message because of members. None of us have that right. Here's what God commanded the messenger to do. Look what it says, verse 10. Here's the disciples. He said to them, now, and you know what? Let's go back to verse 7 when he sends them out. He called them to the 12. He begins to send them forth by two and two. He gave them power over the unclean spirits. He commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey, save a staff only, no script, no bread, no money in their purse, but be shod with sandals, not put on two coats. What is all this about? It's about them not losing their focus and understanding their mission. And church, here's what happens in this generation. We're so distracted, we have forgotten our mission is to be the messenger, the messenger of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not just because you have a Sunday school class. It's not because you're a pastor of a church, you're an evangelist, missionary. No, we're talking about every born-again child of God is a messenger. And most have not fulfilled their duty in months, some not in years. Have you read about these mailmen that they've just dumped literally bags, bags and bags of, of letters into ditches behind barns, and they've been discovered years later. Letters and bills, and all. I wonder who had cars and houses repossessed, and elect, electricity shut off, and uh, Girlfriends that didn't get married because they never received the. <laughs> but guys don't write letters in any generation. They still got the email, right? They got the TikTok dance. <laughs> I love you, baby. Please marry me. They got it. But for all that undelivered mail, for a world out there with nearly 8 billion people, you say, what about those that have never heard? Why have they never heard? Because we as God's messengers have sat on the mail. Why? Why would a messenger sit on the mail? Fear, intimidation, and saying, if I deliver it, what is the reaction going to be? It doesn't matter. Now, here's what Christ tells them. Verse 9, you focus, you focus. Eliminate the distractions and focus on your message. Focus on your duty. Look what it says, verse 10. He said to them, In what place soever you enter into a house, there abide till you de depart from that place. And whosoever shall not receive you nor hear you, when ye depart thence, shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. For verily I say to you, it should be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah than the day of judgment than for that city. He said, just shake off the dust. You know what? There are times you're just going to have to shake off the dust and move on and say there's not a good response. And be careful. Years ago when we were in Oklahoma City working for the bus route, I was a bus captain there. And I remember one of the neighborhoods we had, there was a, a big yard with a mean dog. And this dog was bizarro and berserko. And it had a four-by-four four wooden pet, uh, post in the corner of that yard. And that dog would come up when you'd walk by. It would gnaw on that post and growl. And you're just imagining, that's my leg, and that's that dog. 
on my leg, I'm never going in that yard. In that post, that four by four, where that dog had gnawed, was down to about a one inch by one inch what was left. And I thought, one of these days, he's going to get through that little one one and he's going to start sticking his head out looking for my leg. And one day I went by, Michael Jones, one of the workers in my bus route, he said, have you ever knocked on that door? I said, uh, no. He said, we had to knock on that door. I said, help yourself. I don't care what you do. I'm not knocking on that door. I'm not going in that yard. There is no, you put a gun in my head. I'm not going in that yard. I said, you're going to go in that yard? He said, uh, yeah. He said, I have no problem with dogs. And he walks over that gate and that dog comes running over there. He starts chewing on that metal gate like it was that wooden post. I said, go ahead, help me. He said, you know what? I think I changed my mind. <laughs> You're not as dumb as you look. <laughs> he said, here's what I'm going to do. He took one of the promotion flyers that we had, stuffed it in the gate, and we left. About a week later, they called us up. I said, hey, we got some kids. They'd like to go to Sunday school. He said, what do we do? I said, I have no idea because I'm not going in that yard. Mike talked to him. He set up a plan. Those kids on Sunday morning, I said, here's what you got to do. If we're going to pick you up, you got to come out. You got to be outside of the gate when the van pulls up because we're not going to knock on the door. We're not even climbing out of the van until you come out and that gate is shut. Because that dog is like a lion on steroids. I'm not doing that. I'm not Daniel and I'm not thankful. Amen. I don't care what they sang this morning. Now, you know what happened. Those kids uh, came and they got saved. But I don't know how many times I've, I've driven by that yard and stopped that gate and looked at that post and thought, how is it that we ever got those kids to come with that kind of ferocious beast? And I'll just be honest with you. I was a mailman that said, I ain't delivering mail to that house. And here's how crazy it was. It wasn't rocket science. It was someone, someone saying, even with a crazy dog, they, they deserved a chance to respond. And even if we just leave them the note in their gate, they deserve the opportunity. You know what I was doing? I was refusing to even provide them the opportunity. And church, we're living in a day and age where we look behind the gate and we say, that's a tiger, that's a lion, that's a bad dude, that's a bad dog. That's a vicious relative. And God says, just deliver the message. However you can, deliver, don't expect a perfect response. Just do your duty. They rejected Christ. They rejected the disciples. They killed John the Baptist. Don't expect them to roll out the red carpet, invite you in, and give you six hours to go through the gospel. But you know what you can do? I can still be God's messenger.